thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my friend, my co-host, and Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, now that we have had a few days to process this NBA draft, how are you feeling? I'm still depressed, but thank you for asking. (laughs) Are you really depressed? (laughs) Are you still feeling the same? I have Usman withdrawals, but Okchai is enough, I guess, to push me through the hard times because, you know, he's a solid presence that will also be a solid presence in my life to have a consistent shooter on this Cavs team outside of Darius Garland. That's fair. I mean, I think a lot of people were heartbroken uh, for this Cavaliers team in this draft. It was such a funny draft. And man, without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right in here. Like we knew the top three guys were going to go in any one of the or any order, but we knew pretty much who it was going to be. It was going to be Paulo, Chet, and Jabari. We knew that they were probably going to be selected back to back to back, and they were. Uh, Paolo Bancaro went to Orlando, becoming uh, one of the guys who joins a fraternity of big men there and have done some pretty special things. And Dwight Howard and Shaquille O'Neal. So, Hito Turkaloo. <laughs> yeah, he do. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with his NBA career. He legitimately looks like the most NBA ready prospect of all players in this draft. So, I mean, could be potential rookie of the year. We'll see. Um, Thunder drafted Chet Holmgren, a guy who you guys know I'm not truly high on, but everybody else is. Uh, What do you make of Chet's fit with OKC? I thought that was his best fit of the three. I feel like the Rockets probably should have tried to trade up for him because they were really – they really they liked the idea of Mobley. The only reason they didn't draft him was because they didn't know how he would pair up with Christian Wood, who they viewed as a key piece. And one year later, he just gets shipped out to Dallas for like the 18th pick in the draft or like, I think, what, what, 21st? It was something in the 20s, I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, no, Chet is going to be really fun on this OKC team. They're going to want to play fast. They're going to want to spread out. And uh, Chet certainly will do that for them. They don't really have a true center anyway. I mean, Derek Favors is only on that team because they got a first-round pick for him. And they, they kind of ran out Isaiah Roby last year at center, too. And uh, he, they, he that was just more out of necessity because, as we both know, OKC wasn't really trying to win games last year. And that's why they shut down any player <laughs> that has, like, a pulse. Yeah, <laughs> when um, it's tanking up. without tanking, right? It's, um, you know, because you can't sell your team on that. Like, no professional basketball player is going to be like, oh, fuck it. Let's go ahead and tank. Let's go get the new guy. No, because that new guy is going to come for somebody's position, right? Yeah, they tell Shy like, halfway through the year to go in the cryo chamber and just sit and wait for a few a few months, and maybe he'll step out and then just play well for another two weeks and be like, you got to calm down. 
Exactly. But no, seriously, OKC has a really fun team now, as we'll talk about in a little later. But I, I really loved their draft, honestly. And Mac definitely should have as well, even though they didn't even though he's not the biggest check guy in the world. He's a he's a fan of one of their picks very closely. Yeah, I'm, I'm highly pissed off about uh, the way that the things turned out with OKC. But, man, they do have a, a quite a bit of good foundation to stand on right now. And there's a couple of teams in here that do. Um, the Rockets, who drafted Jabari Smith, they added to their young core. Uh, we know that they traded away Christian Wood for scraps. <laughs> so uh, just to get him out of the house, it looks like. But they ended up bringing in Jabari Smith. So I'm sure that they feel great about that, how everything turned out. So um, tell sure. me about a little bit about your fit with Jabari in Houston. I think the fun thing about the Rockets now is they're just high flyers. It just feels like they're going to be all over the place. They have such freak athletic dudes. And then Alfred Sangoon, who's like the least athletic of the group. He's more like one of those methodical big men who just pivots his way into getting open shots. But no, seriously, Jalen Green and Jabari Smith are going to be so fun. And another one of Mac's favorites also was taken by them as well. Mac is... I don't know how Mac's putting on this fake smile right now because to tell you the truth, he uh, all of his favorites just got punted out the window in front of his eyes, and the Cavs had a chance at at least one of them. I can, I'm telling you, like I slept on this draft and I felt much better, you know, uh, the next day about the events that occurred, but I continuously felt like I was taking punches to the gut. Like I just did not feel well at all with the way that this draft was transpiring. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that, Corey. You have your qualms with this too, but I think we're both in a better place now. Um, moving things along here, Keegan Murray, a guy who had been projected to go within the top five, ended up going <laughs> to the Sacramento Kings. What do you think about that one, man? Dude, if I was a Kings fan, I would really just start kind of looking elsewhere for fandom no offense to keegan murray keegan murray is a really good player but we i think everyone was pretty much on the same page that Jaden ivy could have could have been borderline in the top tier of this draft class with his talent his explosiveness i mean he's an offensive firepower machine and and if the reason that the kings didn't really want to <clears throat> take the chance with him was because they were too tied into the De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis combo. That's a little upsetting because I, I mean, are, is, are we sure that not to sound like Bill Simmons being like, are we sure that De'Aaron Fox is good? But like, it's a conversation that we kind of <laughs> need to have, but I wouldn't, if I was the Kings, I feel like you can't just not take a player for fit when you're that bad. And you no. kind of want to find a way to get out of the basement because Kings fans have been in the lottery for so long. I think they would be happy to not be in it one year. So I think Keegan Murray will be a fine player. I think he's a very solid NBA ready player. So I think he'll be pretty good for this Kings team. But at the end of the day, I would have rather they take an Ivy and the Pistons really lucked out. In that yes. Front. And so speaking of the Pistons, they to me are one of the winners of the draft. Uh, in, in my opinion, that's just strictly my opinion, but selecting Jaden Ivy at five feels like they got a guy who can fit right in there. Um, there had been a lot of talks of Colin Sexton potentially, uh, moving to Detroit and possibly a sign and trade, something of that nature. I think that kind of squashes that. So that's good news for the Cavs. So that's yeah. a, that is a win for the, uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So everybody should feel good about that. Although, Detroit got better. <laughs> so um, how are you liking the fit there with Cade Cunningham and company? 
I think the Detroit, you nailed it on the head, Mac. Detroit had just such an awesome draft in all fronts. I mean, <laughs> but pretty much the funniest thing was that before the draft, everyone's like, all right, the Pistons are going to be aggressive in free agency. They're going to go after Colin Sexton. They're going to go after DeAndre Ayton. They're going to go over two big names, complete overhaul of the roster. And they drafted two players in those same exact positions, basically making it so they're pretty much out of the race. I wouldn't be surprised if they still took a swing on like DeAndre Ayton. I don't know yeah. necessarily he should be counted out, but Colin Sexton definitely. You can't. You can't have Colin Sexton with Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham. That's just too many cooks in the kitchen, in my yes. opinion. So that that's a win. That's a W, as the kids say these days, for the Cavs, just because <laughs> that lessens the amount of potential suitors for Colin. And so that's a win for the Cavs and kind of an L for Colin, um, in my opinion, because that lowers his chances of getting the salary that he and his camp have been rumored to want and that upper well, um, 20 plus million dollar starting guard uh, range. And so that could be potentially an L for him, but uh, again, a W for the Cavs could that could increase their chances of retaining him. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty glad that they took Ivy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, moving on here. Pacers ended up selecting uh, Benedict Maturin, how are you feeling about that one? Matherin's pretty fun, especially when you pair him with Halliburton. I think the two of them are an exciting guard combo. The Indiana will not be as kind of like fundamental as they've been in past years. They're kind of going to have a more of a free flow with the two of them. I mean, they're so different in their play styles. I feel like Halliburton's very methodical and he kind of yeah. just does his own thing. But Matherin's just explosive and he's just so fun. I, I'm I, I'm envious in a way that the Cavs aren't like having a high pick because usually like you could just get really excited about the high upside of what these players can be. And we'll talk about later that the player that they picked is the exact opposite of that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, obviously it's a blessing to be at the end of the lottery because it means you're so close to uh, being in the playoffs and tasting what we haven't tasted without LeBron since the uh, early, late 90s. So. Yes, 97-98 season, the last time Cleveland tasted playoff basketball without LeBron James on the roster. Is it a coincidence? I was born in 97, so that's depressing. <laughs> I am the living embodiment of life <laughs> with LeBron James. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, but Indiana will be cool. Uh, Matherin, I liked Matherin a lot when I watched his tape. I there, I knew there was no chance, but obviously when you watch Matherin, your eyes also just go to Dale and Terry as well, another player that both Mac and I agreed. I was hoping that the Cavs would trade back in Jesus, and take their swing. Man. Yeah, and so the, the the hits just kept on coming, man. Later on, uh, you know, moving on to the seventh pick, Shaden Sharp, a guy who many thought would probably fall, and he did to a degree. I thought he would fall a little bit further, in my opinion, just because he did not have any college tape. Um, so much of the potential that he showcased was uh, was on the AAU circuit, if I'm not mistaken, and in high school. So. Um, you're there. They took a big swing, and in that range right there, the Blazers, what the hell can they afford but to take a big swing? Just because they have to figure out a way to keep down uh, Damian Lillard happy, and they've gone through a lot of roster construction over the last season and a half, uh, shipping out CJ McCollum and bringing in Jeremy Grant. And there's you know, there's obviously other guys listed in those deals, but just a lot of roster turnover for them, so. Um, making a pick on a guy who could potentially be a boom or bust uh, type of prospect was probably the right call, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, Mac, I hate to zag on you, but this is probably like my least favorite pick in the top 10 
even though I, I'm even counting the Keegan Murray pick here, <laughs> but Jaden Sharp to me, it, it makes no sense for the Blazers. I really thought they were going to, maybe this means they're going to package him in some trade. Cause they're like, he's the high upside guy. But like, I didn't like his, that there was like kind of nothing to go off of. You're just watching him play basically glorified pickup ball at AAU. There's like no rhyme or reason to AAU ball. It's all just players basically doing their own private little showcase. And he was doing his best James Harden impression with <laughs> his, like, I'm not going to pass to anyone else and I'm going to take highly contested shots. And he, to his credit, he made a lot of the open shots and it looked like, um, <laughs> like a high school equipment manager was shooting all of his footage for him. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. we see it with prospects though, from time to time. Like we know DG got five collegiate games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Kyrie Irving is another player who barely played in college, but it was impactful when he was on the court. Um, it happens, but mm-hmm. this, I don't, I can't remember the last prospect we see go in the lottery that didn't really have, um, I, I guess if you want to put Michael Porter Jr. in there, um, how many games did Michael Porter Jr. play in college? Uh, I don't remember. I remember he tried to – I think he was out for a lot of the year with Mizzou. I think he – He came, came back in, at the end of the year, wasn't he? He tried to go back for the tournament, and he just looked like he needed to have like a back brace. <laughs> like one of and, those and metal cages. that was who people thought of to be a number one overall type of prospect. And look how far he fell, and look how that's worked out for Denver thus far. I mean, to be fair, Michael Porter is really good when he, he plays. Is. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with the, the my biggest issue with the Blazers selecting Sharp is that he's like he's doesn't fit what they're trying to do right now. He doesn't bring them to the next level because they already have two guards on their team, Dame and Anthony. Unless that they're willing to send Dame out of town and they're signaling an early rebuild because they got Penny, uh, you know, or Afferny Hardy, uh, Afferny Simmons. Simons, Simons. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they're thinking future. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, do they draft? I, I don't know if they're de- using him as the carrot to kind of like get some other piece from someone else. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I just didn't really like the fit. I think there were a lot of other players I probably would have picked for them if they were trying to truly build around Dame. I don't think Dame's going to look and be like, oh, man, this guy who's going to come off the bench is a six man. That's awesome. No, that dude, I'm telling you, Dame ain't going to say it, but Dame wants to get the hell out of town. <laughs> and I would too. Like, I, I did, I put my time in here. I put in my work. I tried to bring you guys a championship. I did the right thing. I stayed when I probably should have left. And this is where we're at. And we're looking at a potentially lengthy rebuild in a Western conference that's not getting any easier. Mac, they have Jeremy Grant. They, they're they're contending for the Western Conference Finals. It's that's it's a title out. team. Jeremy Grant is the number one on a title contending team. I guess I love how their idea of this grand rebuild so far was to take CJ McCollum out and plop in Jeremy Grant, and they're like, boom, completely different team. You're welcome, Dame. <laughs> yes, like uh, like Michael Scott, boom, roasted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> oh man. Uh, moving on here, Pelicans. I love what the Pelicans have done, man. Like they have a surprisingly bright future here. I mean, when you talk about that late season addition of CJ McCollum to kind of reinvigorate that lineup, they had some of us thinking that they could potentially steal a series, and I can count myself uh, among that bunch. Although maybe it was the longest of long shots, but I loved. <laughs> seeing players like CJ and Larry contribute very well. We have um, Alvarado, is that his name? Alvarado. Yes, Alvarado, very pesky defender. A guy who I would kind of reminds me of uh, Matthew Del Vadova, to be honest. Um, and they ended up 
adding Dyson Daniels, um, mm. a prospect in my eyes who is most effective with the ball in his hands, but can probably give you something from day one just because of uh, some of the other things that he's able to provide. He's a multi-positional defensive player. Um, you can go out there and probably defend one through three at the very least. And so he has a, he's a high upside pick. He's one of these boomer bust guys. Um, but tell me what you think about Dyson. I think the thing that intrigues me the most about Dyson is that he has a pretty low, a pretty high floor for what he can be. I think at the end of the day, he's long enough that he should be a pretty versatile defender regardless. It's and his ball handling is pretty solid. I said when we, we did a live draft with uh, Amadou So, and I said on there, I feel like he is what everyone expected Dante Exum to be. If like he reaches his full potential like this ball dominant guard that also is so long and strong that he can defend pretty much positions one through three long and strong <laughs> yeah you know just put that on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah but, uh, sell some stuff right there yeah that i said also on that stream that i felt like the pelicans defense is going to be so good this year because they have so many solid overall pesky defensive players i mean like you said alvarado they have herb jones they have now uh Tyson Daniels, Zion should be pretty decent at defense, and Ingram's long too. And Valanciunas is a great center as well. He's more of an offensively minded center, but you know. Well, there you go. Like you have it. Like you hit the nail on the head with that. When they have length, and whether or not you're an, a great defender, above average defender, length is one of those things that you can't teach. Um, it's inherently there. It's something that legitimately causes concern for uh, ball handlers. So it's one of those things where. Guys can you know figure things out on the fly eventually. Um, do you, where do you think Dyson Daniels projects positionally? I feel like the th- interesting thing, in my opinion, is that I could see him play one through three. Like I think he, you could kind of play him wherever you want to go. I hope to God that the the Pelicans don't operate point Zion because everyone else on that team is going to want to just go insane. I mean, they have too many talented players for Zion to be the orchestrator of that offense. He's not like a Draymond Green type where I feel confident in his vision to where I feel like he should be handed the keys to operating the whole offense as some sort of hub. I think he, at this point in his career, should just kind of be ready to just be ready what his name is called that there's a lot of good names now on the Pelicans in the time that he decided to uh, not play for the entire season. <laughs> yeah. So they have a bright future though. Uh, they're a team on the rise. Um, so props to them. Pretty good draft for them. Uh, moving on here, the Spurs drafted Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor, a guy I just wasn't that high on, but he does have a lot of potential. Um, what do you think of the fit there? I really like uh, that pop kind of went through. It was like, how, who's the most fundamentally sound player in this draft? Most people would say that was probably Chet, but Sohan's probably a close second to me. I mean, his instincts are always top notch. And all you hear about this guy is that like, you won't see his, his stat sheets not going to be eye popping to you. But when you watch the film, like he, he's one of those plus or minus fiends where he's going to have a pretty good average plus or minus. His presence will absolutely be felt on the floor at all times. And it's not like with the Spurs, you kind of like everyone who gets drafted by the Spurs, I feel like takes a step back and they're like, Oh, Wow, that was a really good pick by San Antonio. No one ever just goes like, "Man, this pick was crap." It's it's like the when the Patriots draft like a wide receiver like seven rounds earlier than people thought, and they're like, "Oh my god, what a genius pick by the Pats! How we let him fall?" 
Jeremy Sohan, I feel like is like going to be the same thing. And maybe he won't be like a contender for rookie of the year, but he will be a player that most teams wish that they had four or five years down the road. I think that's fair. Um, and, and they have not always hit on their draft prospects as of late, but this one has the, the feel that of a guy who can just come in and step right in and give you some type of an impact. Uh, we don't quite know what direction San Antonio's going in because we've heard a lot of rumors about, uh, uh, about Deontay Murray possibly being on the move, even to Cleveland. Um, so we, I really don't know what direction they're going in, but Sohan was not necessarily a bad pick for them at nine. No. So I cannot blame them. High upside. Going off uh, the DeJounte Murray thing real quick. I love how the Drew Holiday package has now evolved into they just want three first round picks. Like, look, <laughs> can we just pump the brakes on the DeJounte Murray train? Like, I love DeJounte Murray as much as the next guy, but Drew yes. Holiday is a much more complete player, in my opinion, than DeJounte Murray is. I mean, defensively, he's gone. He's pretty solid. It's definitely his strength. And But at the end of the day, offensively, he's a little lacking for me to want to, like, trade three first round picks to just slot him into my team personally. Yeah. I think that for him, um, he's obviously would be a pretty decent fit with Darius Garland, but the concerns, and I was explaining this to somebody earlier who asked me if I would do a one-to-one swap with Colin Sexton and DeJounte Murray. And so I'll go ahead and clarify that now. Um, DeJounte Murray is an excellent player. He's an all-star caliber guard. But the concerns with me in regards to him is that there obviously is an element of spacing that would be missing from his game. Uh, when you throw in the fact that he and Darius Garland are best when operating with the ball in their hands, um, that's obviously going to cause a little bit of commotion within the Cavaliers offense. It lessens the spacing a lot, in my opinion. I mean, Murray is a guy who is a career 33% shooter from range. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he is by no means a great shooter from three-point range. And to me, that's a big deal for this Cleveland team. You need spacing, especially with the lineup that we employ in our starting five. You have Evan Mobley, who can hit a three ball from time to time started to show more potential as the season went on. And Jared Allen, who will probably never attempt a three pointer outside of an emergency attempt at the end of a shot clock, like we saw with Anderson bears out for all those years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have spacing and, you know, if you want to throw Larry marketing in there, fellow front court mate, who, who's whose um, Cavalier future eventually may be called into question um, that's a, another story for a different day, but the line, the point is, is that the lineup needs to feature as much spacing as possible. And so, um, Colin Sexton, while he may not be the type of player that DeJounte Murray is, he doesn't have the size that Murray does. Uh, that's for, that's another thing. Uh, but he does provide the spacing. And so let me ask you this, Corey, like legitimately, if you saw this lineup trotted out there, Darius Garland, DeJounte Murray, Larry Markin, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Who is going to be most apt to play off ball in regards to the guards? I feel like it has to be Darius that plays off ball. 
I mean, his strengths are going to be catching and shooting. I mean, I think the Cavs kind of want that when Sexton comes back anyway. It's going to be nice that you can kind of interchange off ball. I think the whole point of having Ricky Rubio in the first place for this Cavs team was to give Darius Garland more chances to not have to just be the one that stirs the drink for this Cavaliers offense, which is like the the main reason why I would like the DeJounte Murray trade. Yeah, because Rubio, Rubio showed that it can work because Rubio was actually worse from three-point range this season <laughs> than Murray. Yeah, pretty much. But it didn't feel like it, as we always say. It was the most yeah. deceivingly bad season of all time for yeah. shooting numbers. But shooting splits are odd. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about this also on the stream because it was pretty. The conversation was pretty hot and heavy at that time because every trade under the sun was being floated around. Because remember that John's Collins trade from a few days ago? Yeah, that was cool. Yes. That never materialized. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dejounte Murray, um, I, I don't. I didn't personally like the trade idea because I said this that. That, um, when we looked at the playoffs last year for the Cavs, the main issue was outside of Darius Garland. No one was really going to be able to like knock down shots. And if we had to really play it, because Colin Sexton would probably have to be in that deal. And the Spurs are also interested in Colin Sexton. Absolutely have to be in that deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'd rather have Colin Sexton in a playoff game because Colin Sexton it could easily be the best and most efficient scorer on this Cavs team next season when the, if need be. And that's like a release valve that we just frankly didn't have. And DeJounte Murray wouldn't necessarily do that. He'd make our defense a little more stout, but he would. But at the end of the day, I mean, shooting wise, it's going to be the equivalent, in my opinion, of having a Coro out there. It's not like people are going to be hunting down, making sure they know where DeJounte Murray is amongst the perimeter being like, oh crap, the only like, and yes, we can play Darius off ball more with DeJounte yes. Murray, but you could do the same thing with Colin too. It's not like it's Mac. And I agree that Colin Sexton's passing is getting a little put under the radar. People kind of think he's just this, put my head down and that's all that's going to happen. I have tunnel vision. Yeah, that was probably true earlier. Like first yeah. three years, you could, you could make a, actually, I want to say this. I would say first two and a half, two and a half. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, because you started to see him take a, um, an upward trend and trying to get guys involved. But guess what? The caveat is for that people that are listening. You have to have people who can make fucking shots. You have to have guys out there that can make a shot in order for them to get the ball. I know we all remember the, uh, the chatter that, People were telling other players, the opposing teams were uh, telling Collins teammates, you're not going to get the ball. Well, guess what? Why the hell should I give you the ball if you're not going to make the shot? I don't like the shade that Jerem Blossom game is getting right now. (laughs) (laughs) But but at the end of the day, I'm I'm sure Jared's listening, so thanks. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's hard to also, like... May have get assist numbers. What it's not like hockey where you get the hockey assist for just making a good opportunity for someone else. At the end of the day, this is like if you your teammates don't make it, you don't get the assist. You get a maybe you get a gold star from your mom at you home get a being like nice assist. pass. And then you get that's a potential it. assist where people don't care about that. Yeah, I mean, unless you're just scouring the internet to prove to your friends that one of your favorite players is actually good at passing. I did that. Don't call me out. (laughs) I did that. I created a clip montage at the beginning of the season. First 11 games for Colin, the potential assists. Um, But here, you know, just circling back to that trade, though, uh, the Murray, I I don't think a lot of people out there would say that Murray is the inferior player to Colin. But I will say this. Murray is slightly older at 27. Colin's got some a little bit more youth in regards to him, and I do not think that Colin has peaked by any stretch of the mind. I do not think that 
people um, all the empty stats, the counting, you know, the empty calories, as you want to call them for a bad team, his first few seasons. I really think it's somewhere in between there. Like, I do not think it's crazy to think that Colin could be a 21, 22 point, maybe even 23 point um, per game score on this Cleveland team. But he could just as easily be a guy who gives you 16, 17, 18. And as long as it's efficient, as long as it's in the confines of the offense, as long as he isn't hurting the ball movement, I'm all for keeping him over Murray. Um, That's just me. I feel like he will end up being a cheaper player than Murray too because, I mean, just with the accolades at Murray's disposal, the all-star consideration he's gotten, he was an all-star this season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, He will probably command a max salary. And so – you have Darius Garland, who is going to be a max salary, probably uh player too. You have to plan for Evan Mobley. You already have Jared on the contracts. Who knows what the hell's going to happen with Isaac Okoro. And you just selected Ochak Baji, who we'll get to in a little bit. But spoiler, no, just a bad move, in my opinion. Do you look at it? Absolutely. Do you pay a lot of compensation for him? Nope. No, I don't think he's going anywhere also, just if we're like staying, like predicting where he's going to go. I I just don't see him being moved. I think San Antonio just wanted to put the carrot out there and see what kind of nibbles they were going to get. And I don't think they're very pleased with that. I mean, as fun as that John Collins DeJounte Murray trade was, (laughs) because that that makes about as much sense as the Darius the the Trey Young DeJounte combo makes as much sense as the Darius DeJounte combo, which is pretty much zero. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but but trey young's a way bigger negative defensively than darius garland is in my opinion i mean trey is just like a little trey kid running out with yeah don't talk about the pube right and defensively. yeah <laughs> the human pube welcome anytime on the pod thanks <laughs> i'm thanks, not gonna trey. go that far i'm not i'm not gonna go that far but i'll say this i do not like his game at all defensively offensively i do not like it i get why it's flashy i get the I get it. I get why he's a popular player, but I just not a fan of the style of play that he has. Um, if I had to choose between the two of him and Darius Garland, I'm taking Darius Garland all day. Not to be a homer. But... Oh no, I am too, and I'm totally taking the homer side. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> at least you're at least you're being honest. At least yeah, because you know about you it. can always argue with any Trey Young fan. It's like you know who else really looked good at MSG last season? Uh, <laughs> Freaking Julius Randle. Julius Randle is pretty sweet right now. Glad to see we have two performers who play well at MSG. Good job, guys. Yeah. Trey Young, human pube. Let's roll, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back on track here, man. Um, at number 10, the Wizards selected Johnny Davis, who was kind of one of my dark horse players for the Cavs if you would have ended up falling that far. Because I feel like in the event that you lose Colin, um, I feel like Johnny would probably be able to step right in and be the starting two. Johnny is legitimately, he's not an excellent three-point shooter. He's got a three-point mid-range, he's got a mid-range game. Sorry, let me clarify that. He's got a decent mid-range game, and he is a really good defender. So he would be one of those guys who could be immediately impactful from day one. And I knew the Cavs are probably not going to end up being able to select him, but I do think Washington got a very good player in him. Interested to see what happens with Bradley Beal. Because they certainly need to figure out that point guard position. And do you think Johnny is going to line up at the at the point? For Johnny's sake, I kind of hope not. I feel like 
the reason his offensive stats looked pretty poor were because he had to be the entire offense for that Wisconsin team. So yes, he looked completely explosive. <laughs> Dr. Claw classic. Can't believe it. Yeah. That, what was it? 37 points, right? Yeah. You know, uh, all the stars shine brightest on the biggest stages and Ricky Rubio took his, uh, Spain performance from the, the Olympics and just put it in his bag. The Knicks are often trash, but it's still a historical place. You know, guys must love playing there. You hear about the affinity that most players have for that location. Yeah, they have such an affinity. They only want to visit time to time. They don't want to make it their permanent residence. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, man. Good point. Yeah, but um, with uh, Johnny Davis, I just hope that they don't really rely on him too much. A part of me kind of hopes Bradley Beal stays around (laughs) or Kuzma just takes that next step because, you know, he's only like 21 years old. Uh, oh yeah. man, <laughs> Kuz. I think the Lakers really slowed low on him, man. Like I know he was pretty much a throw-in in that deal. And I guess if you want to say Anthony Davis, obviously, uh, well, was it was it even that deal? I can't even remember at this point. For Kuz, yeah, Kuz came. No, Kuz was you. the Russell Westbrook trade. There you go. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook. That was obviously a trade that did not work out for them. The Wizards really struck big, though. They got uh, KCP without the ankle mm-hmm. monitor, and they got Kuz. I mean, that's when the rails started to fall off for L.A., uh, when they let go of the. Oh, and Montrez Harrell. Yes, Mar- Montrez was part of that deal as well. Uh, when they let go of Dwight Howard, when they let Alex Caruso walk out the door, pretty much, that was a big-time loss for them. It was uh, more upsetting they picked Horton Tucker over Caruso. I didn't understand that at the time, and I still don't. Dude, so, Lakers brass thinks Taylor Horton Tucker is the greatest thing since Slice. The next bread. LeBron, right? Yeah, it's like who needs Bronny when we got his other son right here, Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's that's tragic for them. But uh, let's get into the real territory here. These next four picks, the really the bulk of the conversation today, and we're going to cover all Cavs draft picks today. But the bulk of the conversation is centered around these next four selections. So, the New York Knicks ended up... We can up, skip this one. No. I got to make you relive the pain, bro. The New York Knicks drafted Usman Dang, who was then rerouted to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is the first gut punch for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the first one. Usman, if a lot of people uh, weren't keeping up with me during before the draft, he was not my number one overall prospect on my board who I wanted, but... He was a guy that was on the radar, uh, on the radar, and a guy that I would be perfectly fine selecting. Corey, this really hurts you. So why don't you go ahead and explain how you felt, man? Uh, there's live photo, uh, video evidence of how I felt. I I screamed, and my mic barely picked it up. And then I had my head in my hands for a decent amount of time, while Mac Mac was just really pumped that it meant Corey that was visibly his... crying. <laughs> I'm kidding, but he was upset, man. Mac was just happy that Jalen Williams lasted another pick, but he little did he know that uh, his fun <laughs> ride was about to come to an abrupt halt shortly was, after mine. I tweeted it, 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 as soon as uh, Dan came off the board. I'm like, how are we feeling, Cavs fans? How are we feeling? It's All go time. <laughs> devastated with the very next pick. Yeah. Uh, Dang to the Thunder is like just makes so much sense to me. I was just like in my head, like they're not going to take a project now. I remember we asked uh, like on our podcast a few weeks ago, I was like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take Chet and dang. Right. Like that'd be kind of weird. And 
And uh, he was like, no, they totally would. And he was right. So that sucked. Oh, man. Thanks for coming the on. Gut, that was awesome. The, the, the gut punches just continued to roll in starting at that point. And so obviously, Corey has already alluded to it. But the very next fucking pick was Jalen Williams. Yes, the Santa Clara Jalen Williams, to clarify, was selected at pick number 13. Well, pick number 12, right before the Charlotte Hornets and the Cleveland Cavaliers were on the board. And so those of you who know me know that I was very high on Jalen Williams, a guy that I felt had a lot of star potential, a guy who I felt could have came in from day one and stepped into a six-man role um, at the very least, in my opinion. This guy showed all the intangibles that you wanted to see out of a prospect in this range, had a long-ass seven-foot-two wingspan. That's what had me most hype. Because um, defensively, you know, where we pride ourselves in Cleveland, the bread and butter is defense. And so, like I said before, you cannot teach length. It's one of those things that's there. And so Jalen had it along with the offensive production, along with the possible playmaking that he showcased. It just seemed too good to be true. And guess what? It, it was. was. <laughs> and I was pissed. We move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at the bright side. At least they doubled down on their Jalen Williams affinity and decided to pick both of them. It's a real shame for those draft nuts out there, though, that really wanted Arkansas's Jalen Williams instead. Maybe they they made a mistake and they just, the whole league kind of was like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, Jay Roberts has this to say. Williams was more of a gut punch. I like Abaji better than Dang, but Williams has a much better overall game than Abaji. Trust me, dude. I'm right there with you. I like the Akbaji pick. We'll come back. We're going to circle to him here in a minute. But um, that really was that was one that had me not feeling too great at all because that just started the downward trend of how this draft was going to go, bro. Yeah. Before the draft, we asked each other what our uh, draft board was realistically for the Cavs. And my draft board basically got taken one by one in front of my very eyes. I got uh, dang at one, snagged. Jalen Williams at two, snagged right back to back. AJ Griffin was three, and I'll get to that later. <laughs> and then Okjayak Baji was four, and Dalen Terry was five. So I, as you can tell, I, I'm I'm really happy with how this draft went. I always went into it thinking I wanted my number four prospect on my big board, and because <laughs> uh, I'm a realist, and uh, that's what I got. And Mac uh, Max glistening item Tari Eason was uh, also just passed on as well so at least we both can have pen i was feeling good i was feeling good at that point because i still have my boy tari i can still rely on tari I'm like, okay the calves it's right there it's right at your disposal and guess what there's a trend that we're going to talk about here with guys that are just in the calves reach that they did not take but <laughs> let's go ahead and get to the next pick here um pretty much i think we uh we had pegged that the Hornets would select Mark Williams. I think a lot of mocks had Mark Williams going to Charlotte at 13, but they ended up selecting Jalen Duren, um, who was included in a three-team deal. And it often felt like every time you saw somebody make a pick, um, Jalen Duren's name was coming up as being moved. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Adam Silver was just confused on stage. He was still trying to wrap his mind around that Knicks three three first round picks that no one knew when they were from. And then it turned out they're all useless because they're all lottery protected. 
Yeah. So um, I honestly have no idea how that all worked out on draft night. I'm sure the commissioner was very confused looking <laughs> at these. And I'm sure that happens more often than not. He's like, man, what the hell am I looking at? Uh, but yes, they selected Jalen Duran, uh, 13 overall. And so, you know, we get to the parts of the draft where we obviously knew Cleveland would be selecting number 14. There were hella guys still on the board. Uh, AJ Griffin, AJ Griffin. I think me, you and Amadou were screaming for it pretty much. Just go ahead and take him. He's still on the board. He has a lot of upside. We don't care about the medical red flags. Fuck it. Take him. And so yeah. guess what? Nope. They didn't. They did not take him. Uh, who else was on the board here at number Malachi. 14? Malachi Branham, the Ohio State product, the hometown kid. Did they take him? Nope. No. Sorry, Cass fans. <laughs> Tari Eason, my number one guy. Did they take him? Nope. Guess what? <laughs> he lasted a little bit longer in the draft. E.J. Liddell, you might ask. Don't worry. You can oh. wait two more hours, and he will still be available. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it felt just like the Dale gut punches too. kept coming in. Dalen Terry, uh, a potential long shot for the first round at one point, and then skyrocketed up draft boards last second thanks to some workouts in the draft combine. Um, a guy who a lot of people felt that could have been taken in the late first round. But, you know, moved up a little bit earlier than that. So um, congratulations to him. But he did not end up in Cleveland. The pick that ended up in Cleveland was the one who was initially mocked from the first time the draft lottery occurred. And that is Ochaik Baji. Look, Cavs fans who are watching this, neither Corey nor I are down on Ochaik Baji. Uh, so I don't want it to sound like that. We are not. We are legitimately, I think it's a safe thing to say, Corey, that and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that we're both okay with this pick. We felt like it was the it's the one that does make sense. Uh, but at the same time, one of the biggest complaints about Akbaji is that a lot of people felt that he's a finished product. Uh, four-year college player, um, some people would allude to possibly a low ceiling, high floor. And so I just want your honest opinion on this now that we're just reliving this pain, this fresh, we're ripping off the Band-Aid here again. Uh, give me your honest expectations out of Ochag Baji from year one. Uh, come in, produce, contribute in spots where he's, his name is called. I think he'll be a rotation player. Uh, the thing that is the best, you could say about Okchai is he's safe. I don't think there's a ton of risk to him. I don't necessarily believe he's a finished product. I don't think any 22 year old is necessarily a finished product. It all depends on where you're going, what you're asked of. And that could change year to year. If Okchai shows a lot in his, uh, up for his rookie year, who knows, maybe he would become the starting two or three for this Cavs team, deciding on what they want to do. I think Okchai is obviously a, I think he's a good shooter. I mean, I hope this senior year at 45% from three is not just an outlier for him. I think, I think he could be this, this Cavs team's version of Mikael Bridges, not in the sense that he's not like freakishly long or anything, but at the end of the day, like he'll be a knockdown shooter and he should be able to at least guard positions one and two and maybe some threes. I mean, he's a, he looks like a pretty built kid. He, he definitely has some tone to him. He looks like a, like a, like he was sculpted with a pickaxe for gosh sakes. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Agbaje a little further here. And I think you put that very eloquently. He is a safe pick. 
And I think at 14, considering the guys who are still on the board, probably the safest pick available. Even That's even factoring him in. My boy, you know, my number one overall, Tari Eason, who was probably going to be an immediately impactful defender. Uh, but what Ochai Baji brings to the table is kind of a 3 and D aspect to this offense. And so before I go into my little small breakdown here, I just want to ask you this, because this has come up a few times from Cavs fans. Do you believe that Ochai Baji is a wing? In the Cavs sense, he has to be a wing. I mean, we play a lot shorter p- people at, at technical wing spots. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd really love for this Cavs rotation to have a forward who's above six foot seven. That isn't Jetty Osmond. That'd be pretty cool. I don't think that's much to ask in this day and age as a Cavs fan to just hope for some solid presence on the wing. I mean, Dylan Windler, rest in peace. But at the end of the day, I uh, I think Okchai has to be a wing option. I think our wing options are honestly just going to – we're going to keep a Coro at a quote-unquote wing, even though I think in my mind it's pretty apparent that he's a two. And then uh, Okchai is going to have to play that quote-unquote wing as well, even though I also believe he's probably more way more of a two than a three. Yes, so the way that I'm viewing this is that uh, Akbaji is more two than three, but he can give you minutes of the three if you need him to completely dependent upon the lineup. And so the biggest thing about him is that he does technically, you know, provide the mold of what the Cavs needed this offseason. And that's three and D guy um, at that wing spot. And if you classify him as a wing, that's perfectly fine. Um, He converted 40.7% of his three point attempts this season, which came on pretty good volume, you know, 6.5 a game uh, this past season. And that's something that you love to see coming from that position because Cleveland, you know, the, the players this season outside of a couple just didn't seem to like that three-point shot. <laughs> uh, it's like they're allergic to it. Uh, so you like to see the volume there. I'm glad he was able to do that. And the one thing he's also been able to do is improve, um, you know, whether it be from his freshman season at 30.7%, going to a sophomore year at 33.8%, junior season 37.7%, and again, 407 at that senior year mark. So he's shown consistent improvement every single year, all while increasing his volume pretty much every year. So he's shown the willingness and the ability to improve in that category, and that's something that's going to be big in Cleveland. The other aspect here outside of the defense is a fact that he is not a guy that's going to necessarily need the ball in his hands. He can play off ball. He can spot up, and I think the Cavs desperately needed a player like that, and that's part of the reason why I want Atari because I feel like you do not need to add to the wealth or the dearth of players that need the ball in their hands to operate best. You have Darius Garland. That's your lead guard right there. Presumably, hopefully, you get Colin back, and you're going to be able to have those two guys be the featured ball handlers in your offense. You may or may not add Ricky Rubio back. You may sign a backup point guard. That's another. <laughs> that's for another episode. But you needed a guy who could – pretty much play off ball and i think akbaji is able to do that and so i like the fit um i'm feeling much better about it uh today than i was the day of the draft just because i was heartbroken about Jalen williams and tari not being selected you need uh, both but that's i think that's kind of where i'm man. we're feeling really good about where this is headed the direction that we're headed in yeah i mean as much as we both wanted our high upside players, I wanted Dang, you wanted Jalen Williams, Santari. I mean, at the end of the day, 
picking Okchai, you 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 really don't sit at night thinking like, man, what if this doesn't work out? Like this feels like it's pretty guaranteed to like work. I think there's enough a promising stuff to see. I mean, usually the 22 year old prospect translates pretty well. I feel like you're never really disappointed by senior level play. That kind of shows a lot of promise. Yeah. I think summer league will also be really interesting because if he just does what he did at Kansas and just looks really solid overall, I think that's a massive sign. I mean, summer league, doesn't really usually translate that they're going to be an awesome player. I mean, Alonzo Ball won Summer League MVP with the Lakers and looked awful for the rest of his time. Evan Mobley didn't look great in Summer League. and It's hard hard for a player like Mobley to look good, though, because like Mobley is one of those like finer details. Like I I would expect Sohan to kind of do the same exact thing. Like Sohan's in Summer League. You're not going to be like, holy shit, who is what is Jeremy Sohan (laughs) capable of? It's for like the players like Jordan Poole and like Josh Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Like those flashy, like, like explosive scorers are going to look really good. Like I guarantee you Hardy is going to look awesome in summer league. And people are going to be like, why do we pick Jaden Hardy in the first round? Yeah. Um, we'll have to see what Ochai is uh, able to bring to the table. And I just had the clip up here, but <laughs> you know, I mean, you just, you see what the guy is able to do. I mean, he spaces the floor. He can spot up. He's a guy who can really, you know, step in from day one and play an off-ball role here. Um, and I like that about him. But at the end of the day, this is, like you alluded to earlier, the safest pick that they could have made uh, with the players at their disposal, although still highly upset about how the rest of the draft panned out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with Ochai is that's also, like, I, I feel like I've heard a lot of takes on Ochai. Like, you, you kind of look at the draft reviews of people. I mean, they don't usually, like, translate to if they're going to be a good player or not. But everyone was just, like, trying to, like, their zag on him was saying that, yes, he was the best player on the best team in the country, technically. But everyone also was really quick to counter that this is the worst Kansas team that's won, like, a championship for them in terms of talent. But at the end of the day, like, I I just, no one's drafting Ochai and thinking he's going to be, like, the next Brandon Ingram or anything, like a, like a star forward that can score at all three levels. We think we know what we're getting. And, all, like, when you look at his footage closer, he also has like a pretty good sense of doing some backdoor cuts, which would also be really nice for this Cavs team as well. Like as long as he's not like only one dimensional in that sense, that's going to be really nice because we, a Coro, like we all know from time to time kind of forgets he's on the floor and just stands there for way too long. And we kind of all hope all that the corners. he's gonna, Yeah. Yeah. But we, we always think like, all you have to do is make that one backdoor cut. All Chris Manning talks about in the fear of the sword chat is that he hopes Okoro just keeps on doing backdoor cuts. And maybe once every week he sends a nice cut and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So Okchai can do that. Even just that small thing. That's like, a it opens up so much for this offense because of Laurie is not capable of doing the backdoor cuts at his height. Yeah. And, and as you're seeing in this clip montage right here, he show, he clearly showcases the ability. I mean, he may not be the most, you know, the, the, the best biggest or best athlete out there, this draft, but he clearly shows the ability to take guys off the dribble. Um, he's another guy who can pass, you know, pretty well. Um, you know, I'm not going to think, I'm not going to label him a Darius Garland or anything like that. But, you know, he can certainly he certainly shows the ability to, you know, to to pass the ball. And so you get you need guys who can show a little bit of ball movement. And I think Akbaji can do that. Um, he, he certainly not wasn't the guy that I wanted at 14, uh, but he 
he's good. He's a guy who will fit right in. He fits the mold of plug and play. And I think that's, you know, when you're trying to supplement the offense, you know, you're going to try to supplement the core here. That's the perfect selection. So I feel much better about it. Yeah, at the end of the day, the Cavs are in a completely different phase than they have been for past drafts. I mean, we have our foundation, and now it's about supporting the foundation. If we're trying to take a swing for another star player, that doesn't really benefit the core in a sense. You know, like maybe it changes up who the core could be if it hits. But we also want to make it so our core can flourish in a lot of different ways. And I think we saw in these play-in games what we ne- we needed. We just needed more offensive firepower on the we corners. Sexton. <laughs> we needed a lot. Let's be honest. Darius was kind of like the only one. Darius, Evan, and one game of Rondo and one game from Lowry were the bright spots. Of, Isaac Okoro uh, was borderline unplayable in one of those games, and that that speaks volumes about what the Cavs needed. Like, he was very good defensively against uh, the Nets, but offense <laughs> then the, the, against the Hawks, you just you couldn't play him at all. The and wheels like, fell off. But yeah. especially like once the wheels fell off in that Nets game too, you really can't, you can't justify having him out there with a 15 point deficit. Cause it's like, yeah, you bring defense to the table, but when we're down 15, obviously the defense just isn't working. Exactly. And so that's, that's kind of the trend that they went uh, in the playing games. And so hopefully Agbaji can take some of the pressure off in regards to providing a scoring punch, whether that be an off ball roll or not. And so, um, you know, just kind of circling down here back to the draft. Um, that's really where things really kicked off here because, as I alluded to earlier, A.J. Griffin had still been on the board. He went 16 to the Hawks. Uh, Tari Eason uh, went 17 to the Rockets. The Cavs Twitter enemy Rockets. <laughs> Seems like there's a perennial beef going on there. Well, I now uh, have a beef with OKC, but that's just Oh, me. I think we all do. Um, 18, uh, the Bulls took uh, Dalen Terry. Who Max Darling. <laughs> yes, a guy who I had uh, video scouted here uh, earlier on, much earlier than a lot of people did. And so I called that one. I feel good about that. I want to give Mac his flowers for being a complete – expert scout calling out Dalen Terry when he was like a borderline late second round pick, then watching him climb just because Mac pointed him out. So if you next season, when you're looking for good draft coverage, go to watch uh, the it's Cavalier YouTube page. So Mac can enlighten y'all on some, uh, some good stuff. Thanks man. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. That said, I mean, you keep on moving down here. Uh, Jake Laravia, Went to uh, the Timberwolves at 19, but the one that really burns a lot of people up, especially if you're in the state of Ohio uh, or if you're from there and you're a big Ohio State fan, Alakai Brandon went to the Spurs of all teams. And I really, like, heading into that pick at 20, I'm like, they're going to take Malachi, and they have to, right? Um, I, I honestly felt at some point during this draft that the Spurs would end up with both EJ and Malachi. Did you feel that way too? Yeah, I kind of felt, I was like, is this really just lining up for San Antonio to just do the the clean Ohio State sweep? I was, I liked that Malachi went there. I think that's very interesting for them. I, I Once I realized the Cavs were just going to put their tail between their legs and not trade up back into the first round, I was just like, all right, well, you know, I'll just I'll just admire the fit of whoever decides to take the players I actually like, because the Cavs certainly aren't going to do that, and they, they really didn't for the rest of the draft, if I'm being honest. I was a little upset, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a minute or two. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to it. Um, so, you know, the Spurs, I think that's a great selection for them, because if they do plan to keep 
DeJounte Murray in town to have a guy who can provide an offensive spark like Malachi, a guy who can provide a little bit more in terms of three-point production than Murray can. It's a great selection, and you already got Sohan on board. So um, great selection for them. Um, proud of Malachi Branham, what he was able to do in that his lone season at Ohio State. So um, congratulations to him on being drafted. But moving on down here, um, was really you can skip a lot of this in regards to the Cavs because once this happened, um, a lot of people were claiming for Cleveland to, to trade up because one of the biggest storylines of the day heading into the draft was the fact that Cleveland traded for yet another second-round pick, the 49th overall pick in exchange for the draft rights to an international prospect who would probably have never come over to the Cavs in the first place. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Corey, I know you're chomping at the bit here, but let me ask you this question, man. Do you think that Cleveland was not – interested in trading back into the first round or they just could not field a good enough like they, they couldn't put together a good enough offer to one of these teams here in the bottom 20 range i think another thing to consider is that they just all the prospects they really liked were taken before they had a chance to even trade into the range where they were able to trade obviously something i think had to be in the works because you don't just trade for another second round pick they're very easy to acquire you could have acquired that second round pick earlier in the the off season than right before the day of the draft. So obviously I thought maybe they saw some, they were talking with teams trying to feel out where certain prospects were going to be. I wonder if they didn't think that Dale and Terry was going to go to Chicago at 18. I was I wondering. Sure as hell I, didn't. I thought he was going to go mid twenties. Yeah. I just, I, well, we all know we've been hearing from like Fedor and a lot of other sources that they were infatuated with Dale and Terry. I thought that they, made a draft promise to him by a, some estimation that they would try to like swing down for him. But that was just for Usman Dang, which obviously that trade really, that promise was broken <laughs> by the, the bastards over in <laughs> Oklahoma city. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I thought they were really going to trade back, but honestly, when we got to the end of the first round, there weren't many like EJ Liddell was the only name that I would could have seen but they honestly could have just traded further up into the second round and taken him, but they just decided not to. So that's cool, bro, bro. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get to that here. So, um, you know, just looking at who was selected here. Oh, another guy here without skipping on over him. Uh, we did see actually a few, uh, a few players here, Nikola Jovic, who I, um, I did a little bit of content on who I felt could have been a, a day one producer for a team provide some spacing, provide some playmaking, has some unique size. Um, went to the Miami Heat. Heat not culture, mistaken. baby. <laughs> Very good pick for them. Um, excited for them in regards to what they're getting. Thank and God. Jovic. They don't have any white shooters, so that's really good for them. <laughs> uh, the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were another draft day winner. Jesus Christ. They took a lot of players, and they got some good picks here. Um, Ty Ty Washington – Excellent addition. I kind of wanted Ty Ty. Like the further he fell down, I'm like, hmm, Cleveland, what the hell are you doing? Kobe, get off your ass. Sign, uh, uh, trade up into the first round to get your backup point guard if you're not going to be able to get Rubio or if you're not going to have Rubio available for the early portion of this season. I felt Ty Ty would have been a great option. Um, although some people might argue that uh, there were probably better point guard prospects deeper down without having to trade. 
I kind of wanted Hardy more than I wanted Ty Ty, if I'm being honest. But also, I I just got to the point in the draft, I don't know about you, Mac, where I just was staring at the TV being like, it must be nice to take an exciting prospect. (laughs) I was heartbroken, bro, in this range. I was heartbroken because we skipped on over another guy here that I did some content on, and that's David Roddy. David Roddy went a lot higher than I thought he would. It's a potential prospect. To me, another Grizzly guy, if I'm not mistaken. He ended up with the Grizz. Very good pick for them. A guy who necessarily is, it's hard to project his position, but what he brings to the table is so unique that I feel like he can be used like a Draymond type of player. Um, David Roddy is such an interesting prospect. Like I'm so curious to know how that dude, turns out. That dude looks like he just ball out at your Y. Down he's the street. A, a lot of, <laughs> don't laugh at this, but uh, some of the group chats that I'm in, uh, a lot of people are classifying him as a meatball or <laughs> whatever. Dude, yeah, he is a meatball. That dude is thick with like three C's. <laughs> <laughs> that kid's got a wagon. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yo, that's so, to, that's like bad disrespectful to me, but I'm, I'm just imagining somebody calling me a meatball. Like, dude, damn. he's not even like a turkey meatball. Like, that dude's all meat. <laughs> Like there's Yo. no lean meat in that dude. That guy <laughs> definitely eats well. Yeah, he does, but he's a productive player. And um, I like his fit. Uh, well, I liked his fit with Cleveland. I, I really, I projected him to be a late first rounder, mid second range type of guy, but they ended up snagging him. And I was really pissed at that point, but Did let's move snacking on. Snacking or snagging? <laughs> <laughs> You all went today, man. Uh, um, you know, the last pick of the first round was Peyton Watson to the Thunder. And the Thunder, geez Louise. Um, they they really killed this draft. They really hurt a lot of feelings in Cleveland. And they ended up with Peyton Watson, a player uh, many people felt would have been uh, probably a good addition for Cleveland as well. Um, just let's let's go ahead and move forward here all the way down to the, the meat and potatoes here in the second round. And Don't bring up is, David Roddy again. All right. <laughs> we got to stop <laughs> at pick 39 Cleveland's <laughs> first second round pick. They selected Khalifa Diop out of Grand Canaria. Uh, we just had Rafael Barlow on the show and he spoke about he gave an interesting anecdote on that. The location uh, that neither, neither Corey nor I knew where that was actually located. Uh, but Khalifa Diop, um, you know, his biggest highlights are the ability to run the pick and roll. Um, he could facilitate, he not facilitate, he could come in from day one and operate as that roller um, that we often see Jared Allen in and probably could provide some decent, maybe 10 to 15 minutes at the backup center position if you need him to. But he's not quite there yet on defense. And so he is a, to my knowledge, maybe, Corey, you can clarify this because some people are telling me, I didn't get a chance to see the press conference, but some people are telling me that he attended that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I've, everything that I've seen has indicated that he's a draft and stash still. Yeah, I, um, I, I saw he was at the press conference. I was a little surprised by that. Uh, when I, I also was very surprised by the pick. I honestly feel like with bigs, especially draft and stash bigs, if that's what he's going to be, you, you can just find so many solid big options just from veterans that are cheap. So I was a little confused on that pick. I mean, I would have rather traded up and just drafted Liddell. I think he well, really, I think Liddell 
would have been um, I, I I saw a lot of people say he doesn't fit the Cavs, and I think that's the exact reason why I kind of want him. I don't I don't think we should have all the same types of bigs, like just tall, lanky, long wingspan dudes who just <laughs> run up and down the floor and are lob threats. Like Liddell had an interesting like aspect to him where we could run more interesting lineups, have more diversity in what we could possibly do. Diop just does the same exact thing that we have from everyone else. I mean, I saw that he has like a little bit of a jumper somewhat, but I'm not going to sit here and think he's going to be like a miles Turner level shooter anytime soon for a big. Yeah. Um, we're all being honest here, right? Um, yeah, this is a safe place is Gleef Diop to me as a player that could eventually contribute for the cast but a player that I think nobody would have taken at 39. Uh, maybe maybe teams know something that we don't. Maybe we're not privy to how good this guy is. But I do not think, at the very least, I think he could have went later than 39th. And so you already talked about it. So let's go ahead and bring it up. Probably the biggest point of contention for the entire draft. Because the Akbaji thing is what it is. He was a guy a lot of people thought would have been taken at 14, and he was. That's neither here nor there. But at 39. All these players that Cleveland could have taken, EJ Liddell included, and they took Khalifa Diop. So in reference to Liddell, to me, it could have not been written any better. There is the opportunity to bring in an Ohio State product. You missed you. You, um, you did not take Malachi Branham. We, we already talked about him. He fell to the Spurs. But you had the opportunity to add EJ Liddell, and you completely skipped over on that. And so, to me, that was atrocious. Um, I don't mean to lambast them or anything like that. Um, and like I said, maybe they know something. Maybe they know something that we do not. But to me, it just—it's a little ridiculous because I feel like Liddell gets the gets an unfair rap here. I mean, he's a guy to my knowledge, who led the Big Ten in blocks. Um, He's a guy that I really legitimately felt like could come in and and do something here. Um, He he may not have played a role from day one uh, if you brought him into town, but he's certainly a guy here that could potentially (laughs) add something to the Cavs. For those who are listening on the podcast, Mac literally went out of his way to pull up EJ Liddell's highlights. (laughs) I had to. I had to. I I mean, these are videos I made. Obviously, I got to do it. (laughs) Mac's like, hey, Uh, guys, look at this. Look at this. (laughs) EJ Liddell, 2.6 blocks, um, led the Big Ten over a lot of guys who who people really felt were very impactful to players, uh, players. So I think one of the biggest things that I've seen, one of the biggest slights that I've seen against Liddell is that people don't know what kind of position he would play in the NBA. Do you concur with that? I think he could play small ball five or four, and I think it'd still be very enticing. I think no matter what, if we're going to call him positionless, that's perfectly fine with me as well. I thought he would have added a really nice wrinkle to this Cavs team, kind of like the way that we want Lamar Stevens to kind of operate for this team in a way and where he can kind of play two through four, except I think Liddell could play a little bit of five. Honestly, we've seen smaller players. I mean, hell the, the the PJ Tucker played center, not just like last year, 
Let's not or two years ago. Let's not act like it's not possible. Yeah, PJ Tucker is six five, if I'm not mistaken. Six yeah. four, six five-ish in shoes. So bro, just look at this. You're telling me that you can't you did not want to take a chance on this guy who has more offensive polish over Khalifa Diop and is a pretty good defender. I know blocks aren't everything. I get that. Blocks are just a counting stat. They do not tell just how good a defender somebody is. Is something though. Yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the choir, man. I mean, that second round, if I'm being honest, it was pretty, pretty bad. I I wasn't excited by any of them. And I know I'm just going to bring it up now that we took Isaiah Mobley. And, you know, while it's nice to try to do the Giannis brother wrote and just be like, hey, Evan, don't leave. We have your (laughs) we have your older brother. Look, he's a he's a Cav now, too. Uh, We could have easily probably taken Isaiah Mobley later in the draft. I don't think other teams were really pining to take him. I didn't think they were starting their Evan Mobley recruiting pitch anytime soon. And this is no slight to Isaiah Mobley, who definitely does his own thing. But I really believe that. uh, Isaiah Mobley is a decent shooter. I mean, at USC, he he stretches the floor better than Mobley or than Evan does. That's going to be, I can't even say Mobley now because it's just like a blend. But yeah, I think they're different. I think he definitely could serve a role on the team, but I also don't see him being on the Cavs official roster for maybe a two-way, but that's it for right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you see, Donald Duck's dad, <laughs> comment down here if you're viewing this via YouTube or Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that EJ Liddell could op- could have operated like that. I, I don't think the, the, the biggest thing about that, though, is Draymond is one hell of a passer. Um, I Draymond's not, also an awesome defender. Like Liddell would never get to that level. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying he would ever potentially get to that level. I'm just saying, like, in terms of potential fit, we see Draymond operate as a three, a four, or five. Um, he kind of really transitions in between whatever you need him to be, uh, dependent upon, you know, the uh, the the situation at hand. So for me, it's just like, uh, Liddell could not have been a better pick uh, at that spot. And I know you just referred to Isaiah Mobley. So we can go ahead and talk about him really quickly as I uh, pull up some, hit, some of his highlights. But to me, it's just like, dude, this second round could have gone a lot better, a lot differently in my opinion. Like you just saying this is Isaiah Mobley right here. I mean, he provides the ability to space the floor. Um, I'm not quite certain what position he would play at the NBA level. Probably four. Yeah. Because um, I think he has six foot ten size. Um, but y- you see the ability here. Like, he's a guy in the second round who um, – Corey, give me your honest opinion on this. Because I've heard a lot of people say a lot of different things in regards to Mobley. Some people feel Mobley could have been drafted either with that last pick the Cavs had uh, or potentially undrafted. Where did you have Isaiah Mobley uh, rated? I probably would have picked him with the last pick instead of the Aussie. <laughs> but honestly, like he, what what is he going to do that you couldn't have found anywhere else? Like if his last name wasn't Mobley, would we still be like really pumped that we got him? That's the question you kind of have to ask yourself. Is he, he doesn't seem like he has a super high ceiling or anything. I think it's just to kind of, 
you know, strengthen those bonds with Evan and just the be like, Takupo route, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it's, it, that's pretty much what it was. I agree a hundred percent with Cavs fans. I really think we could have got him a lot later, but that also being said, I can't just sit here and act like pick 49 is what's going to have some stud either. So he was going to be a star at 49. This is the best they know. Uh, so Corey <laughs> could have got Isaiah Thomas 2.0. Yeah, I mean, as you see here from the stats that are listed in the video there, it's not like uh, Isaiah Mobley didn't do anything necessarily exactly like that's off the charts. But uh, I do see the appeal here. Uh, Yes, the last name Mobley helps, but I do think along with Corey that he's a guy. And when I did the original video on this, I think I said that he probably could have been selected or, or signed as an undrafted free agent. So... Um, I still think that rings true. I think at the very least you could have gotten them with the, was the 56 pick. Yeah. Uh, you no, could have 49. Got, oh yeah. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, you could have gotten them with that last pick. We'll just say last pick. You could have got them with that last pick over Luke Travers, um, who we'll discuss here in just a second. But I really honestly feel like Cleveland, I don't know what was going on here. And obviously we've, we're, we're both people who I wouldn't hesitate to say that trusts, Kobe Altman. Uh, we trust the decision makers here, but there were some head scratchers. Let's just say that. So um, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm a, Agbaji really makes up for a lot of this because um, he's the most likely, obviously, to play anytime soon. Uh, Mobley, we may not even see on the NBA roster. He could be going to the Cleveland Charge. Uh, so who knows? Who knows, man? Um, I'm in charge is going to be lit this year. They really just stacked up their roster <laughs> <laughs> Two draft and stash guys and Isaiah Mobley. What a sick trade. What a yeah. great draft guys. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously as we had just mentioned, Cleveland's final pick, um, was in, let me go back to this really quickly. Cause I don't think we actually clarified EJ, EJ Liddell actually ended up with the Pelicans ended up with the new Orleans Pelicans. So, the Cleveland Cavaliers' final pick was Luke Travers um, out of Perth, who um, I don't know. spot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about Luke Travers. Um, I've seen some of his highlights. I'm getting ready to pull them up for you all to see um, who are viewing this right now. But um, I definitely think that that final pick could have gone a little bit differently. Corey, um, is there anything that you see that – or that you have seen thus far from Luke Travers that would indicate that he can work at the NBA level? I could lie to you and say that I watched his highlights, but I have no interest in even... I I saw he had a mullet, and I'm like, that's kind of (laughs) sick. But that was the extent of all of my research for Luke Travers. I got you, brother. I got you. You know, you're a brother from another mother, and I got to showcase what Luke, uh, Luke Travers is actually able to bring to the table. And so some of these, these, these are some of the things right here. And so there is some skill here to me. He strikes me as much more of a finesse guy than anything. He's got some sweet locks. Yeah. Look at that. Sure. Uh, that, that, that looks, that screams to me eighties. Like he that looks like uh, right Billy from stranger things. <laughs> he does. He's kind of like, um, uh, a very, 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 very <laughs> light version, <laughs> at least the look of Larry Bird. So I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that's fine. He looks like the guy who played Larry Bird in uh, Winning Time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, oh man, such a good show, in my opinion. I don't know. Some people are split on it. 
But no, I loved it. It was good. Yeah, uh, Luke just Travers, don't treat it like it's actual history, and you'll love it. Exactly. Just accept it for what it is, uh, and just as, uh, just an interpretation of that period of time. But so anyway, Luke Travers. <laughs> Look at this guy. Look at this guy knocking down all these threes. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Why don't you tell him about the shooting percentage and that the, he had? And the NBL. So, yeah. One thing that I have learned when crafting these videos is that it's pretty damn easy to put together some highlights. Uh, it's pretty damn easy to pick the best plays from uh, what, a, what a guy's season looks like. And so Luke Travers shot 25% from three-point range in the NBL. Um, and so I know that's probably not a big deal to a lot of people because uh, many people wanted Usman Dang, including Corey, my co-host, and uh, and Usman was not any better. Uh, so shut your mouth. <laughs> so, so that three point range, uh, the statistic there is not always like the key determining factor on just how good of a shooter a guy is or will become. Just really one of those form. things. And he has a good form. That's a, another plus for him. Yes. It's not. It has no hitch to it or anything. Doesn't look awkward in any way. Has good arc to it. But uh, yeah, you know, I, it's just a, it's a dart throw, which is fine. I mean, I don't know what the plan is. I would assume he'll probably stay at Perth for another year. Mm-hmm. I doubt he'll go to the Cleveland Charge, which is fine. Um, He's only twenty from what I saw. So hopefully, question. yeah. Would you consider the G League or the NBL the superior league? Oh, a G League, hundred percent. You have NBA level talent in there. I think any. I, I honestly also. I I know a lot of people have issues with the college players now going to the G League, but if you're really thinking about your career, it's a lot better for these kids to go up against adults to kind of like your stats are going to take a hit, but it's more impressive to do like even mediocre against these players at such a young age. I, that's why I really like Dang, too. I mean, the stats were really bad for him, but he was playing against grown men, and that dude was like a twig. So, And he really picked it up in the last few weeks of the season. So I, I'm always one to kind of just go, the closest thing you can get to NBA-level talent, you should take that route. Because, yeah, it's going to be harder, but sometimes iron sharpens iron. That's true. I love that saying. Uh, Bible verse, uh, one of my favorite But um, as Donald Duck's dad said down here to kind of school us a little bit on Luke Travers, uh, six foot eight can potentially defend one through four, very good rebounder, driver, slasher, defender, off ball, disruptor, screen setter, et cetera. And so I see that, you know, watching these highlights, I see. And and again, it is very easy to construct these things to make it look like this guy is a very good player. So, but uh, even with that said, I see what, people think could be true about him and so i'm not mad at the pick i'm just saying that the picks in the second round period could have been much different like to me i don't care what anybody says i'm taking ej liddell any day of the week at 39 over khalifa diop and i like khalifa diop but i think he could have been taken undrafted the same can be said for mobley in my opinion um and i mean at 56 where travers was taken you probably could have got him undrafted too. So um, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. That's how Cleveland's draft went. And to my knowledge, Corey, just to kind of close things down here, I do not think Cleveland has taken any undrafted free agents, but I just wanted to clue you in on something. And that is that Cleveland did not take, and I tweeted about this pre-draft, they did not select 
Ron Harper Jr. They did not select Scotty Pippen Jr. They didn't sign or or select either one of those two guys, and those were both guys that I felt legitimately could be NBA players at the next level. And so, and you know where they went? Yes. So um, Harper Jr. went to Toronto, Cleveland, one of Cleveland's biggest enemies this season, um, and Scotty Pippen Jr. with the Lakers, and Sharif O'Neal with yes. the Lakers. Yes. So. Um, to my knowledge, it's probably because of lack of roster spots, as Chris Fudora continuously likes to point out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, Chris. About the, the draft and stash guys, mostly. That's what that's referring to. But um, they have not made any undrafted rookie signings, to my knowledge. That could change. That could have changed since the time of recording, since the last time I checked. But to my knowledge, um, uh, I don't think so. I haven't done it. This is also like it'll be interesting to see who we bring to summer league because as much as I'd love to see Matt Mooney for the fiftieth time, uh, I'd like to see some <laughs> some young talent step into the floor. I don't need Matt Ryan either. Sorry, Matt. You, you, you had a good ride, <laughs> dude. That's why I was like these these dudes did not because like Ron Harper Jr. to me, just like David Roddy, like you, it's hard to predict where he would have ended up positionally in the NBA. He just does a lot of different things pretty well, though. And so Dude, I was talk about Matt Roddy again. <laughs> uh, and so um, this is all aiming towards now free agency, which we'll eventually cover. But the free agency period officially doesn't start until June 30th, if I'm not mistaken. That is the first first official day that those doors open. And so. Obviously, in Cleveland, the biggest names that we're trying to wait and figure out here what's going to happen is the restricted free agent in Colin Sexton. Um, hoping he ends up returning, but we'll have to see if they can make the money work. And Ricky Rubio. Those are the two biggest dominoes in regards to free agency uh, for the Cavs. So, Corey, you went through a lot here today, man. I think it's safe here to say that we're we're both feeling much better about this draft um, days later, but there's still some question marks here that obviously will probably never be answered. So anything else to add, my friend? No, I think we, uh, I think we covered it. I hope the, I hope whoever's listening to it at the one hour, 20 minute mark. Uh, thanks for listening this far. for our Yeah. Yeah. Coverage. So we appreciate you guys. Um, as we always tell you, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at is Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review on whatever platform you're viewing or listening on and send that via screenshot to It's Cavalier53 at gmail.com. And if you are viewing this on YouTube right now or on Twitter potentially, as I know it's streaming there, why don't you do us a favor? Go ahead and hop on over to that YouTube channel and press that subscribe button. Okay. We'd love to Smash have Smash it. <laughs> yes, as long uh, along with that like button. Get us aggregated. <laughs> Do something. Yeah, uh, just tell show David Roddy this footage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh with that being said, go Cavs and have a good night.